Hello, everyone. This is your girl, Shade, reporting live on Went and STEM podcast. Thank you for tuning in to episode number two, where we continue our series of how it started versus how it's going, aka started from the bottom, now we're here. Today, I have a special guest, one of my good friends, Jason Asirifi. We go back to UMass Amherst, our engineering struggle days, but we thank God for growth. So on my podcast, I like my guests to introduce themselves. I want this to be a time for them to showcase their accomplishments, their success, and just brag about themselves. In the media, we don't really hear much of positivity for people of color. It's always negative. So I want this platform to showcase all the great work that people of color are doing in STEM. So the floor is yours, Jason. Woohoo! Thank you, Shade, for having me. First of all, extremely proud of you for all the work that you're doing and trying to inspire the next generation of STEM. Uh, Lord knows we need inspiration because we struggled. My name is Jason Asarifi. Um, I graduated from UMass Amherst with my uh, bachelor's in civil and environmental engineering with a minor in building and construction technology. Uh, recently, I actually just finished my master's uh, at BU, planning. And I work as a construction superintendent. I've been doing it for about six years now. And um, yeah, man, that, that's a little bit about me. I don't know y'all, so I can't give you too much. All right. Well, we're about to know a little bit more about you when we delve into these questions. So the first one, so what made you pursue a degree career in STEM? So did you have any family members that influenced you or mentors that helped? Persuade you? Uh, keep it a bean, honestly. In high school, I did a lot of CAD. I, I actually did four years of CAD, solid work, SketchUp. And my uh, teacher in high school was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you love doing this stuff. So that's what civil engineers do. So when you go to college, go do the civil engineering and you'll be doing that all the time. Yo, that man was lying. He was a liar. Um, I think in engineering, I had two CAD classes total in five years. Um, but anyway, ended up in engineering, so I had to finish it out. So I know we had a lot of struggles <laughs> and challenges in school, but can you describe what your biggest challenges you faced um, at UMass or even at BU as a person of color majoring in engineering and how did you overcome it? Yo, there was nobody that looked like us. And I mean, you, you know because she was there, but I remember being in introductory civil engineering class and I was one of three students of color. I think there was probably a hundred kids in the class. Um, so for us, it was building that community up real quick. And with, regardless of what year you were, um, either you, were, you already took the classes I was going to take or you were about to take the classes I already took. So when we built that community, we just kind of held each other down and that also kind of led to us restarting Nesby. So, I remember you passing down your physics stuff and lab work. That definitely helped me in my career because being the only female in my electrical engineering classes was no joke. And just to ask help from my counterparts, 
it was intimidating. I didn't even want to go to my professor's office hours for fear of what they'll think of me. Maybe they'll think I'm inadequate or I should switch my major. So definitely having Nesby and just having a support system helped out a lot. So what were the steps that you took that led to your current role? I, I knew I hated design. Uh, civil engineering, um, I did the first couple classes and I hated it. I, I was miserable, but honestly, pride is what kept me going, but I knew I hated design. So I knew I needed to find a career that kind of complemented my personality of being able to talk to people, hang out, have a good time, but also like really be hands-on. So I looked at things that civil engineers could do. And one of the things that popped up was construction management. So I started looking at different companies and there was one particular company, the company I'm with now, that I met my freshman year of college. Yo, they didn't even give me a look. Like they just kept like, Jason, cool. You're nice and everything, but um, we'll see you next time. I probably interviewed with them like six times, graduated, went to work for a different company before I got another interview with them and got a chance to work with them. And I've been there for almost six years now. So what did you think changed from the first time that you applied, you didn't get the job, and then when you applied again and you got the job? Confidence and experience. I think confidence is a, is a big thing. We, especially as people of color, we sometimes suffer from uh, imposter syndrome, right? Like, damn, am I good enough to be here? Am I good enough to have this job? Um, am I even worthy to compete with other people? And, and, and that's done really because I didn't necessarily have the background. Like, I, I went to a good high school, but I didn't have the same background as some of my peers in engineering who came from private schools or smaller towns with uh, more elite academic programs. So I lacked confidence. I'd go to an interview. I'm like, yeah, I'm good enough. You know, I suck here. Like, yo, don't go to an interview and say where you suck. Let them figure that out. That's that's not your problem. That's not to tell them that. Um, so having that and then also with that with that confidence, I was then able to get experience with a different company. And once you have a little bit of experience, yo, that confidence is going to shine through. And I was able to talk my way into, into them hiring me. Yeah, I'm glad you touched imposter syndrome because that, yo, imposter syndrome is real. And that's something that I think creeps on people more than they know it. So how do you, how do you deal with that? It absolutely does. Uh, people don't even realize they're going through imposter syndrome because, I mean, I think some people are more aware of it or more self-aware. Other people don't even realize because imposter syndrome does not have to be in the textbook way. It just, it, it, anytime a little bit of doubt creeps in you and you're comparing yourself to somebody else, like in the slightest way, that that is a version of imposter syndrome. But it, comes, it might happen to you occasionally once in a while. So you're like, oh, that's not imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a, a bigger thing that is constant. No, it's, it's not. Anytime you and you compare yourself to somebody because they're white or you're black or you know anything of that nature that that is imposter syndrome exactly uh, sometimes like for me like what I try to advise people when imposter syndrome like creeps in just think of your accomplishments things that you accomplished in the past hey you know I did X Y and Z I can do even bigger and b- bigger and better things. 
um, just, you know, reminding yourselves like, yo, nothing can stop my way. I got here this far. I can continue to go further. I think everybody should have a little bit of arrogance, right? Like nobody can do me like I do me. Can nobody compare to the things that I've done and the work that I put in? If I hadn't put it in, we wouldn't be where we are now. And you look at that in every situation that you're in. That's very true. So now that you are deep in your career, can you speak on any challenges that you faced and how you address them and if they ultimately helped you move forward in your career? Um, the biggest thing I probably have learned, and I kind of learned it in college too, but in the professional world more so, is closed mouths don't get fed. You want to go after it, go get it, say something, because people don't know what you're thinking. People don't know what you're feeling. People don't know your background. You know, and especially in the professional world, like people are coming to work, but work is not their life. They have other people on outside the their job. So if you need something, if you feel like you deserve a position, if you need help with something, if you need an explanation, you have to go get it and you have to go after it. And it, it kind of plays back into the thing I said about confidence because you have to have the confidence to do so. There's a lot of people who are too timid or shy or feel like they don't belong. So they're too scared to go ask the question because they don't want to look stupid or have their weaknesses per se show. It's only going to hurt you. Yeah, that's definitely. Confidence is key. That's all you need. If you don't know the information, but if you're confident, no one will know but yourself. That's it. That's absolutely it. So as a Black feminist, you know, we sometimes find ourselves as the only person of color in the room. Have you ever felt that you had to turn down your blackness or change yourself to be accepted? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I work in construction, right? It's called the good old boy industry. Um, it's typically ran by old white male. Like women struggle, people of color struggle. And sometimes, I mean, Shade, you know me, you know my personality. If I went with my personality on a hundred in certain meetings, they look at me like, oh no. You would have been fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would no longer be able to talk about my job because I wouldn't have one. I'd be able to talk about my former job. Um, so, yeah, you definitely sometimes have to tone down. But that also comes with self-awareness and reading the room. Uh, I think that as Black folk, as minority, is, I think we learn at a much younger age than um, Caucasian counterparts because uh, we always have to assess the situation and understand where we can be us and where we have to kind of blend in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like how you said we have to read the room. Definitely, you know, scope out your environment, your surroundings, get familiar with the area, and then by little by little, you know, you can start revealing yourself. Because at the end of the day, the way you look should not determine like your work ethic. It shouldn't, you know? but it does. Yeah. It should not, but it does. Because then, yo, you know, we especially in this time and age, right, we look at biases and everybody loves to say, I'm not biased, but there are certain unconscious biases that were all taught. I don't want to say we're born with. We're all taught either via TVs that we watch or our parents or, and, and not, not necessarily like they're taught it to us out of malice, but they're still taught to us. So we have to make a conscious effort to unlearn these unconscious biases. 
Mm-hmm. So as the only person of color, right, um, in your career, what are some great ways to stand out and be seen as an asset on your, on your work team? Um, well, I want to clarify. I'm not the only person of color in my, currently in my job I am, my project. Um, but one thing I will say that we've been very good at doing is um, those of us who are singularities on the project, we come together a lot. We built a community for ourselves within the job or within the company so that we can support each other. Um, I think that's the biggest way you can improve yourself and stand out because you may be too shy to go to your white counterpart and go and ask for advice, but there may be somebody who of color who has been in your same position who you may be more comfortable talking with. And once you give that advice, you can then apply it to your own position. I think having that, that sense of community, and you know I'm really big on that, helps you stand out as an individual. So what are other ways that you help um, your job, your employer recruit and retain um, people of color in your industry? Nesby, you, you already know. Um, I still actively recruit at Nesby. I've still gone to almost every national convention since uh, I've graduated recruiting for them. And I've, I've had the great opportunity of meeting um, Black folk from everywhere throughout the country and had some hard conversations with them. Brought some great candidates in and brought some guys that were kind of grasping the straws and said, listen, you shouldn't be here. Let's let's take the time. I know I'm supposed to be talking about my company, but let's you and I take a time and figure out what can we do to make things better or what can we do to find the right path for you? Because I'm not going to let you be here in this moment in time and let you waste this opportunity. Yes. Like I was telling one of my friends the other day, you know, once when we continue up this corporate ladder, we need to bring our people with us and we need to help them along the way because in STEM, there's not much of us. And the only way that number will increase is if we help each other. Absolutely. And we, we need to increase that number. Because until we get into the C-suite, you know, the corporate level um, positions, I mean, there's only so much that we can do. And right now in the C-suite, it's, I really feel it's the per- people of color are always put in the human resource positions or communication positions, which is not bad. But can we see more involvement in engineering and the sciences and technology and math? My favorite position that they love to put us in is diversity and inclusion. Yeah, this is our senior vice president of diversity and inclusion. Fam, you only created that position now because of the current climate. Before that, you didn't care about no no diversity and inclusion. That's why your company looks the way it does. I get it. You're trying to pivot now. But put us in some real roles of consequences. Make us business development managers. Make us operations managers. Put us in those other positions, and I guarantee you the diversity will co- will follow. Because if I'm a student, you know, graduating, and I see that you have black executives at your corporate level, I'm gonna look at it like, yo, I have a real opportunity at this company. I want to go there. It's sad. It's so sad. But hopefully, you know, platforms like this can inspire people to continue in the trenches and the struggles and do their dreams of being, you know, VP 
president and CEO one day. So do you have any advice for anyone going or thinking of pursuing a STEM-related career um, or even specifically civil engineering? Hey, hey, be hungry, be hungry, be hungry. Yo, nah, I'm serious. Yo, go after it. Um, Don't give up. Like, yo, there's many times I had my advisors in college tell me like, yo, you're not good at this. You should not continue. Give up, do something else. And sadly, I've seen them give that same advice to some of our friends, and they didn't leave engineering. My fam, I wasn't leaving. I came and be stubborn about it. Be sure in the goal that you have set for yourself and keep going after it. Build yourself a, a community. Build yourself people around you that will support you. And I think that's the best way to survive. And go to Nesby. Go to Nesby. We also, as people of color, definitely reach out to all the diverse um, professional organizations. Um, NSBE, National Society of Black Engineers, SHEP, Society of Professional Hispanic Engineers, um, Nobuche, um, and I'm sure there's tons out there for every minority group, but utilize your resources. That's the number one key. Absolutely. Closed mouths don't get fed. Facts, facts, facts. Let me ask you this, Shade. What, what, what kind of drove you to start this podcast? So I was thinking about my journey getting to where I'm at and what could I have done differently. And one thing that I lacked was just direction. You know, I didn't see people like me in my field. So I wanted to hear their story, things to look out for, things to prepare for. And I didn't really receive that. Um, the support system I had in school, we were all going through the same thing. We were all learning from each other. Um, so I wanted this platform to be a way for college students, uh, even students you know, in elementary, high school, middle school, and even professionals to learn from their peers on how they can be more prepared in receiving a degree or a career in STEM and just to get a seat at the table, you know, once they get to their goals in life. Um, there's not much of us in the STEM field, so we need to increase that number because we do a lot of great things in life. You know, we shouldn't be hearing just negativity all the time. We have a lot of accomplishments that we need to showcase out there. I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm really proud of this work that you're doing right now. And um, I hope there's that young boy, young girl out there that hear this and they really understand, like, regardless of the struggle life, you can get through it. We made it. You know what I mean? And that's really one of the big things, mm-hmm. one of the big reasons I still go recruiting because I remember being that kid who didn't have the great GPA. And I'll tell you, I did not have the great GPA, <laughs> um, but still being able to be successful because of tenacity and my ability to persevere. Like, And sometimes that's what you really need just to persevere. That is it. Just need to have that grit and just continue moving forward because there is a light at the tunnel. If there's a will, there's a way. There's a way, and it comes with a great financial package. Thank you, Mr. Money Man. <laughs> nah, I be chilling, yo. That's it. I be chilling, having a good time. That's it.
Oh, well, but thank you so much, Jason, for dropping gems and keeping it real. Do you have any way that our listeners can reach out to you if they want more questions or just to follow you? Um, you know, I, I like to be private about my social media, yeah. You know I mean, but um if you really if you're out there and you're really struggling, hit me up on IG Enlightenment15. Shade, you can post the link to all that. Oh, actually, do you want to showcase your business? I know you have multiple businesses. I can't even keep up. <laughs> so one of my side hustles is um I actually have our revolution uh group LLC. We're a consulting firm. Um we consult on anything and everything that you possibly need. There's three of us working together. One of us, well, myself, I'm an engineer. I do a lot of, have a lot of background in business. One of my partners is in healthcare management and operations, and another partner is also in education. But he has his doctorate in mechanical engineering. So you name it, and he's also a DJ. So you name it, we can consult in anything and everything. We're your go-to guys for any problem. We probably have a solution for you. So hit us up. Thank you. So I'll put all that information into our description for the podcast. But once again, thank you, Jason. I appreciate you. The listeners, I hope you're able to get some gems. And until our next episode, y'all be great and go out and win and fem. Thanks. Bye.